Welcome to the Popcorn Wine Down with Tammy and Eddie. Grab your popcorn, get yourself a glass of wine, and come hang out with us as we discuss TV shows, movies, music, and pop culture. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Popcorn Wine Down. I'm Eddie. And I'm Tammy. Thank you for joining us. This week, we will be reviewing the old guard, but first, the news. Um, releases uh, is releases are back in the news this week. Uh, the one thing that seemed to be steady is music uh, during this pandemic. And Taylor Swift released her surprise album both for last week, which was amazing. Um, and also, BTS announced that they are going to release their first all-English single on August 21st. I know I, as well as the rest of the world, am really <laughs> excited about that. And um, Blackpink, a group that you're familiar with, they're a K-pop uh, girl band. They're going to release their first full album on October 3rd. I'm not too familiar with Blackpink. I admit my K-pop knowledge stops at BTS. Starts and stops at BTS. BTS, um, yes. No, like I, what what I've learned is I listen to a couple of Blackpink's um, songs and singles that they've come out with. And I have to say they're kind of on the level of like just being the girl version of BTS on their success, on um, how successful they have been. They haven't put in as much time as BTS, but um, they've had a lot of success in a very, very short time frame. And so people are really, really excited about this new album coming out because when they premiere their singles, they hit number one just like BTS does. So I would love to see like what number they're going to be on the Billboard charts when they actually release their CD. Well, cool. I have to check it out. Um, Sam Smith also released a new song, My Oasis, with uh, British rapper Burner Boy. It's typical Sam Smith. Yeah, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that if you are a Sam Smith fan, then you should like the song. And once again, it's called My Oasis, and I I love it too. Congrats to uh, Jonas' brother, uh, Joe Jonas, and his wife, Sophie Turner. They welcomed their first child, a little girl named Willa. Um, so the big release news happens to do with movies. Um, tentatively speaking, fingers crossed, this is concrete set in stone (laughs) tentatively again. Right now, uh, right now. Right now, which means it could be pushed back again, but the movie theaters are set to open at the end of August. And, uh, Tenet is going to have a worldwide release in late August. Um, that's Christopher Nolan's a big movie and uh, it was a tentpole movie for the summer. We've talked a lot about it. Um, so it's going to premiere and I think uh, the big boom for that was they finally got permission to release it in China. And so after Labor Day weekend or I think around Labor Day weekend it's going to be released here in the U.S. but they're not going to uh, have New York or L.A. premieres for it. Um, I don't believe it's actually going to be shown in those movie, in, in movie theaters in those cities. I, yeah, I, I think that they're kind of, based on what like I read, is that while it's going to be a worldwide release, they're going to release it around the world, um, it's going to kind of be a limited release in the United States based on, you know, where our numbers are with this virus. 
on where it's going to be. But for right now, it's not looking like it's going to be premiering in L.A. or in New York City just because of the numbers. Well, I know California is back on a mini shutdown um, in a lot of areas. So um, as much as I'm looking forward to that, I don't know that I'm still ready to go to the movies just based on what our numbers are here locally. So um, we'll see how that goes uh, for Tenet. Uh, And also, as I said before, I really think that they should hold off on releasing a lot of movies this year because if they try to push all the movies that they were gonna release into the next few months, the 2021 slate is going to be completely blank. especially the first few months. And just that just depends on where we are with the cure or vaccine and all that other stuff. So. A lot of movies are going, like production is really starting up in LA again. Um, you have uh, movies that are taping, if they're taping um, in other countries besides the United States, they're actually starting up their productions on those movies. Uh, Cause I know like Jurassic Park, was um, went back into production and they were they were taping scenes for the newest Jurassic Park that is supposed to be coming out. So I think it's based on where their production is. But um, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see. But I think a lot of movies were pushed back to next year as well. Like we do have movies that are coming out in like November and October, and we don't know based on the numbers on if they're actually going to premiere. I think Tenant is going to definitely be the test run on how they're going to be able to do this and how Hollywood is going to be able to uh, come back full force. But there are a lot of movies that were pushed back to 2021. So they, they, they're gonna they're gonna have they, they they'll have they'll have some stuff that they can move around for it for next year. We won't be completely without movies next year. Well, that's good. Um, AMC. Speaking of which, AMC, the movie theater chain, not the uh, television station. <laughs> uh, they and Universal have mended fences. Um, they had a they got into they had an ugly breakup, um, like a lot of couples at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, And what happened is Universal, who produces the Fast and Furious franchise, they said that they were going to release Fast and Furious directly to VOD. And- While it was in the theater. I'm sorry? Like when they said that they were gonna release it VOD while it was in the theater? No, they were just, because, you know, um, when, when we started there uh, a lot of movies went directly to VOD but most yeah. of those were mostly the independent movies and so Universal was the first major production studio that said that they were going to release a big production like uh, Fast and Furious 9 to VOD and that upset okay. AMC Regal and Cinemark took AMC side which are other big uh, movie theater chains and so AMC had threatened to boycott or not show any Universal movies. And so, like I said, I guess uh, once the other change jumped in on that, that kind of, so they've been, they've been working um, the last few months towards mending fences and apparently they have. Uh, what they've come up with so far is that AMC or the movie theaters will have a three week window in which they exclusively show that movie. And then after three weeks, Universal is going to send their movies to VOD. Um, and that would be Apple Street. That would be like where you can buy it on iTunes or you can buy it on Amazon or, you know, maybe rent it for $20 or what have you. Um, That's a really short pers- time for that. Like three it, weeks? Like three weeks is a really short time. And me personally, 
I, I kind of hate to see it because I love going to the movies. And to me, yes. there's nothing like watching a movie, especially a big release um, in the movie theater. Uh, and just just the whole ambiance and the setting and everything about going to the movies, paying that ridiculous amount for popcorn and snacks. It's just nothing like it in the world. And even sometimes sitting next to weirdos in the movies, which I don't like. But <laughs> or people that talk the whole movie. <laughs> We're not naming any names, Tammy. <clears throat> but you know, uh, so we will see. Um, they're still working out the details of that, but we will see how that goes. So, um, and speaking earlier, you said that some shows were going back into production. The CW shows, they have listed that they're going back into production. And those shows are Flash, uh, Superman and Lois, or the Lois and Superman, the new show, Supernatural. and Riverdale, Supernatural. Yeah. Now, those three shows, Flash, Superman, and Supernatural, are filmed in Canada, so I can understand that because the Canadians have done a great job in, you know, lowering their curve and all of that and getting their numbers under control. Um, Riverdale is filmed in Atlanta, Georgia, and we here in the U.S. have not done a great job of getting <laughs> our numbers under control. Still um, working I'm on just, it. Still working on it. Still working on it. So that's why I'm a little skeptical about, you know, show other shows um, when they say that they're going back in production, especially those filmed in California, because they're on a mini, they're on a mini lockdown. So um, I'm not sure how that's going to work for us as far as starting up production. Well, they do shows have, the they have a, um, a certain um, guidelines that they have to follow in order to go back into production. So there are shows that have already started um with their production there are other shows that are going to be starting in late august along with um the cw shows um that are taped in la taped on a studio lot so i mean for right now i i see it happening if they're following the guidelines but i mean i guess we'll see once those shows really start production on how that's going to work but soap opera has already started they're going to be premiering new episodes starting next week for some soap operas so i know you're yeah. excited about that general hospital we talked about it last week but um so i guess based on not really hearing any news about their production maybe it is possible but i guess we'll see we'll have to wait and see on that okay um and then we are going to uh speaking of television uh award season is coming up and it yes. usually kicks off with uh the glad awards and i know the glad awards were held the other night they were held virtually um and pose was one of the big winners for the glad awards one um best drama series and then uh, Taylor Swift won the Vanguard Award for being a major ally of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, Shit's Creek, <laughs> that's actually the name of it, um, won for Best Comedy Series and is also nominated for an Emmy. And for film would be Booksmart. Have you seen Booksmart? Did you watch it? I have. I loved it. It was really good. Okay. I have not seen Booksmart. It's definitely, it's on my watch list. I do have it. So, you know, don't kill me, but um, it won for best film and then a surprise, but I guess really not seen as how he's all over the place is um, for musical artist Little Nas X <laughs> won for uh, musical artist. He won his GLAAD award and I was just like, oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, he came out um, at the height of his career and it, it really hasn't seemed to hurt him much. So that's good. Um, wishing him well. Um, also, we had the Emmy nominations this week and there were a lot of surprises and snubs. Yes. Um, 
the Emmys, they were most diverse uh, nom group of nominations. Um, there were a lot of black artists, um, actors and actresses and producers nominated, but not too many um, other minority groups, which some of them took issue with. Um, so, you know, uh, some of the major snubs though were Reese Witherspoon. She wasn't nominated for any of her shows as far as the acting categories go. She had and, three of them in the morning right. show. She had Little Fires Everywhere and Big, Big, Little, Big Lies. Little Lies. And she wasn't nominated for any of those. So that was definitely um, one of the surpri like surprises on her being snubbed for all three of her acting credits. Right. Um, Tommy Pelfrey, who is an amazing actor, uh, he was phenomenal. He, was, uh, he wasn't nominated for his role in Ozark. Um, Never Have I Ever, which is one of our favorites, was also um, skipped over. Uh, Rami or Rami wasn't nominated, and Pose again, um, with the exception of Billy Porter, was left out of all the major um, major uh, acting categories or That's major a, categories. I would say that is even a bigger deal on that one of the announcers for the Emmy nominations was Laverne Cox. But um, MJ Rodriguez and India Moore, who are the lead actresses for Pose, were not nominated. They had phenomenal seasons for season two. And Billy Porter, who won the category that he's nominated for, lead actor, he won it last year, is the only one who's nominated. So that's definitely a little bit of a controversy on um, the show that is the first major show showing trans women of color and the lead actresses are not nominated. So yeah, that was a big thing. Um, another surprise in a good way, Carrie Washington, she was nominated for four Emmys in different Breaking categories. records, breaking records. <laughs> breaking records. Uh, Zendaya was nominated for her role in Euphoria. Euphoria is an amazing show. It's a little dark. I'm gonna have to is, sit down and watch it now. <laughs> it is so good and, and um, it was surprising, but she deserved it. Uh, hats off to Zendaya. Uh, like I said, Euphoria is amazing. Watchmen led all categories um, with 26 nominations. And if Woo! you haven't watched, if you haven't seen Watchmen, you need to watch it. Please uh, watch it. It's Regina King is amazing. Um, yes, it's yes, a really good is. show. And Insecure was finally nominated. Issa Rae is finally getting some love Woo! and some props. Uh, I had Issa. I, I love that show. So. Um, <laughs> We will see how it all turns out. Wait, like I have said. to, before we end, I have to talk about the one snub that I think really, really like caught me off guard um, was Daisy Edgar Jones from Normal People. Normal People was not nominated for um, Best Drama Series, which I think was just- An oversight. Yes, just an absolute, the worst oversight ever. That was a phenomenal show. If you have not seen it, please, it is on Hulu. It is phenomenal phenomenal and the actress who plays the main character like she's just on another level on the character that she played on how she gets you to sympathize with her and feel all of her emotions through the time of her being a teenager up until her 20s and it's just such a shock that she was not nominated for her role that she had in normal people yeah um it was amazing um the, the drama series were Better Call Saul, The Crown, Handmaid's Tale, Killing Eve, also phenomenal. Um, the Mandalorian, which was a surprise nomination, Ozark, yeah. Stranger Things, and Secession. Um, to me, from what I've seen, 
probably Stranger Things was probably the weakest link on this list. Uh, like we're over it. We're over it. Like I feel like they nominated just because. But I, I just feel I agree with you on that. Like Stranger Things, like Stranger Things to me is kind of like Big Bang Theory. On like <laughs> they nominated Bing Bang every single year, and it kind of took a spot from other comedies that you know definitely deserve more recognition but it was a popular show so they just kept nominating it so i think that that's kind of how i feel about stranger things well um we will see and you know like isa said i'm rooting for everybody black so <laughs> <laughs> but um i and i think and rami and rami and rami i'm, 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 I'm going for rami as well and I was going to say that um, I know there has been a lot of pushback about other groups, um, other minority groups not being nominated, but I'm at this stage. We're all in this together. So win yes. for one of us is a win for all of us. All of us. And hopefully other shows like Never Have I Ever and Rami and, you know, that they will all get the, the due that they deserve because there's some good television out there um, being made by everybody, by people of color, not just black, but Latinos, Muslims, everybody. So, you know, um, that's just where we have to be in this Hollywood boat right now. Definitely. Um, Charlize Theron, the star of the show that we're going to be talking about, the old, gay, um, the old Guard, and one of my favorite actresses, she... Uh, held a socially distant drive-in screenplay of the movie Mad Max and um, Beyond Fury. And some people are, were surprised about that because they're making a prequel um, to that uh, movie and it's about her character Furiosa. Well, she was not invited back to play Furiosa, um, who she played in the movie. So, um, and some people say, oh, it's because she's too old. Um, which kind of goes to that trope as a woman. She shouldn't be an action star. And, you know, if Tom Cruise can still jump off of buildings at 60, Woo! then Charlize Theron can play Or, or Le Liam Neeson at 85 still, you know, doing taking. Yeah. You know, Harrison Ford, he's going to oh. be in the next Indiana Jones. Oh, so, my gosh. You know, um, I, I just kind of took exception with that, but I'm glad that she's still, you know, supporting the movie and all of that. And um, maybe all of this talk about her being too old was before the old guard came out and they saw that, hey, she, I don't she, care. She can still do it. Like, I really yeah. think, like, she also talked about how um, people were asking why she's never been in any type of superhero movie, although she was in Eon Flux. I know, like, that wasn't a very popular movie of hers, but I, I really loved her in Eon Flux. Um, and she says she's never been invited to be in any Marvel or DC movie. So, DC, I'm going to need you to wake up and call Charlize, all right, and get her into one of your movies before Marvel snatches her up. I'm just going to put that out there. Marvel, I'm going to need y'all to work <laughs> on that. Like, and I, I, as you say that, I'm just sitting here trying to think of what superhero movie, of what superheroine she could play. And she could play any of them because she kicks ass. But I'm well, I actually saw at, her as um, Superwoman if they wanted I, to put that character was, to the, fi I was, to the um, film. I was thinking about that too, since DC has already shown that there is a great divide between their TV universe and their uh, movie universe because yeah. they're gonna—they have two different people playing the Flash. So um, you could actually do Superwoman. Um, I, I'm gonna—I'm gonna research it a little more, and I'm gonna come up with some roles that I think she would be awesome in. 
Um, and so that takes us into our discussion today. And we can talk about how awesome she and the rest of the cast were in the old guard. So excited. So excited. <laughs> Today we are going to talk about The Old Guard um, on Netflix, which is about a group of centuries-old mercenaries who actually happen to be immortals with the power um, to heal themselves. And they're set up on a job, uh, and they discover it as part of setup that someone actually knows their secret. And so in order to protect their secret and their identities, they have to find out who set them up before they were exposed. And um, it is amazing. I absolutely love this movie. It stars Charlize Theron as Andy, Kiki Lane as Niall, Matt Mateus uh, Schoenshart, sorry for that mispronunciation, as Booker, Marwin Kanzari as Joe, Luca Marinelli as Nikki, and Shuitel Eljapur as Copley. And Shuitel Eljapur is one of my favorite actors. So um, what did you think about it? I loved it. I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, I was actually surprised. I didn't think it was going to be as good as it ended up being. I'm a huge fan of Charlize Theron. Um, I, I, I love her acting. She's one of my favorite actresses. But I was entertained from beginning to end. And you know how I love... Um, movies with like a lot of shootings and killings and everything like that so of course like this movie with all of that was definitely an enjoyment for me so yes yeah, so i was entertained and can't wait to see like so what did you think of it um i loved it and i know charlise theron she's one of my favorite actresses too but i was actually sold when i heard it was directed by gina prince blythewood um, I have been a fan of her since her first movie, Love and Basketball. She is an amazing director. And I shout out to A, being a female during an action film and being an African-American female during an yes. action film. And shout out to her, not to put her on blast or anything, but being over 50 during an action film. So <laughs> it's like, that's the trifecta. Yep. And and, you know, we talked, we were speaking earlier about how they were saying that Charlize was too old to play Furiosa or what have you. Um, there are not many women who direct act, uh, action films, not many African-American women, and not Definitely many not. women over a certain age. So um, this movie The only one I know is, um, is Ava, is the only other African-American female director that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, but Ava hasn't really done an action action film, you know. Like she this hasn't. She really hasn't done an action film. But um, yes. but just like as, as a black director, as a black female director, she's the only other one that I know besides um, Gina. But I will say, like um, mentioning like Love and Basketball, it's such a difference on. I'm amazed at the fact of like, I'm like, I love Love and Basketball and she directed Love and Basketball. And then we have The Old Guard, which I love as well. And she directed that. And they're like on opposite sides of like the movie genre. So just yeah. amazing on her being, that like she must be an amazing director that she can, you know, direct these totally two different type of movies. Yeah. And um, so that was one that kind of sold me on the movie. And it was it was a great sell because I, I, I thought the movie was fantastic from um, beginning to end. You know, sometimes you check out during part of a movie and you're like, hey, what 
like, oh, they could have skipped this part or you could figure it out. Um, there's some things I kind of figured out a little bit, like uh, spoiler alert, you know, um, about <laughs> who the spoiler alert. <laughs> exactly. About who betrayed them. Um, I knew it was Booker just from the way that he was acting. And I knew also yeah. that Chuita Ojafor's character, Copley, was um, setting them up. But you didn't really understand why. Um, so it, I think they both did, both of them did something truly screwed up, but they did, they had, you under, you come to understand their intentions. They had, the they, had good, they had good reasons. Like you understood why they were doing it. It's just that you actually did it. Like, you know, you betrayed yeah. your family, um, for Booker and then for Copley on, he had a great idea in his head, but kind of didn't take into consideration that these were still human beings. Yeah. And well, for me, Copley did it because his wife suffered from ALS and he thought that their immortality, if you could study their immortality and see what made them immortal and gave them the power to heal, then, you know, it would be, it would take away disease. But he, you know, so I think he did it basically from the grief of losing his wife and, um, but he still did it wrong on um, not giving them a choice, like not exactly having that conversation, just going and basically kidnapping them, you know? Exactly. And Booker's portrayal was a little bit harder for me to understand because he did it because he didn't like being immortal and he actually wanted to die. It was like, and he didn't give them the choice. So A, if that's, what, if that's the choice Booker made for himself, then you make it for yourself, but you don't make that for your whole team. You know, you don't make that decision but, for your team. But I, I, I got where he was coming from as well when he was talking to Nikki and Joe on when he said, y'all have had each other since the beginning because they were both, they both were like, I guess, born. <laughs> Their powers appeared. Um, the immortality came about at the exact same time. And so they've always had each other. And then Booker had Andy, but it's not the same as you just having a friend that you're kind of going through this with compared to losing, seeing your whole family die and still remembering it. Cause when he told the story of his son and you know, um, his kids being mad at him at the end when they died on that, he couldn't give them his immortality. I can understand where he was coming from on that on he, he didn't have anybody to share his life with and he didn't want to put himself out there because Ultimately, that person was going to die. He was going to go through what he went through with his kids. So I understood it. I don't agree with it, but I understood where he was coming from. Well, yeah, but, and I, I kind of get that. But Nikki and Joe didn't always have each other because they, they, they met each other fighting in the Crusades. And, you know, there's a part where Nikki says, I was taught to hate the love of my life, you know. So it's like they had to get past all that. So I think just over time, they grew to love and respect each other because they there's a line in there where they said they killed each other a lot of times. And it's like, okay, was it part of going through the Crusades or were, was it other parts like lovers back, you know? So that was, that was interesting. But speaking of Nikki and Joe, I find their relationship one of the most fascinating parts of the movie. Like I love them together. And how and natural, how natural their relationship was. Like it wasn't like, uh, oh, they're together. Like, boom, like we, we filled a quota. Like, no, it, it yeah. wasn't that automatically they told you about it. 
as the movie went through, you just saw the little scenes of them together. You were just like, oh, okay, okay, I got Yeah, you. it's like, not here's our here's our requisite gay couple to, yeah. to uh, you know, complete our glad quota or whatever. It's just like, <laughs> it was very subtle how you figured out they were together. Like you, you knew they were all close and you knew they were a family. And when she first mentions them, you just think, oh, they're two members of the team who yeah. have already met up. But when you really start to figure out just what their relationship is, is when they're on the train after they've been set up and they're heading to France and you see them um, laying together in the way Nikki is holding Joe. Um, when they, that, when they when they realize Nile, Nile has, her immortality has woken up and they've all dreamed about her. And his yeah. just, just the simple arm around Nikki's waist lets you know that they're together. And I, I love and, the subtlety of that. And then when they kind of give Nile a glimpse of how they fell in love when they talk about, you know, how they met and all of that. But <laughs> the scene that gets me is the scene in the van once they've been kidnapped and the soldiers <laughs> are trying to make fun of them. And she's yes. like, is that your boyfriend? And Nikki went off. Um, it was like... He was like, you're an infant, you're a child. Child. Like, I want someone to talk about me that way. Like, it wasn't just that he's the love of my life. It was like, he's the love of my soul, my heart, my everything. I was just like. Yes, he is like the beginning and the end. My alpha and my omega. He just like went into this. I was like, where can I get one of those? Like, so that story to me, and then, you know, and then, so after that, it's like, oh, okay. And the soldiers, so when he kiss, when they kiss, the soldiers just look at like they're in shock and they do act like infants. But by the time they open up those van, that van, the soldiers are dead and Nikki and Joe are just sitting there like, what took you so long to open a van? But the best part is they're still zip tied. Like that's just how and, badass and, they And they chose, and that's another thing, they chose to stay zip tied. Like when I was watching it and you see like that whole thing and then the door opens up and I'm just like, they're, they're telling you like they could have gotten free. So they're gonna allow you to take them. That That's exactly what they were saying in that scene. Like we, we wanna know like what's going on. So we're gonna allow you to take us and let's see, let's see where this goes for right yeah. now. <laughs> just like, like it, was, it was just like, and, and so that was my thing. It's like, you have no idea what you've done or who you're truly messing with. Because yeah. <laughs> and it didn't seem to alarm them. And then when they got on the plane, he was like, hey, Nikki, Joe tells Nikki, hey, they've got TV. It was just so casual. Like, to me, they were the heart of the movie. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I loved, loved the characters. And okay, so on a side note away from the movie is that um, I, I recognized Joseph. Like, I was just like, I know that dude from somewhere. And I couldn't recall. So of course I had to go online and actually figure out like where have I seen all of these actors before and to see that Joseph was Jafar I was like from Aladdin I was just like oh shoot okay I like I see it now because I just remember like looking at Jafar and being like that's a really good looking dude for being the evil villain that he's supposed to be in Aladdin like he's not supposed to look oh, wow. But um, so I, I, I even love that, like how I was just like, okay, I recognize him. Yeah, but I, I love that. And then I love um, when they escape and they're going through and the guy King, who's the head of security, when he literally shoots Nikki in the mouth and blows his brains out. 
and then he has to deal with Joe reaction and he's just like you shot Nikki you shouldn't have done that <laughs> and then yeah. goes and like snap like just breaks his neck in like one move and I was just like oh my god like how did y'all think that y'all were gonna win against them yeah it it was amazing so um one of my other favorite characters she she became more interesting to me the more times I watched the movie um, and that was Niall. Um, I picked it, the first time I watched, I, I understood she was a key character and hats off to Kiki Lane. She acted her ass off. She was amazing. Um, I think this is like her, only her second major feature film. Um, she, she was also in uh, Bill Street, but so to get in there with the heavyweight and go toe to toe with Charlie Theron, especially the way they fought in that plane was amazing. But what I noticed is that um, they all dream of each other. And especially when a new immortal is quote unquote born or reborn, they, they all have dreams of each other. But she had dreams that they didn't have. She had dreams to Quinn. Um, she had dreams about Quinn. And then there was this other dream when they were in a safe house that she had that I couldn't quite pick up on. And I kept rewinding it, but I couldn't quite catch the scene. And so she, I think if they do a sequel, it will be something that plays on those dreams. Wait, so are, you like, are you talking about when when they're in the safe house, She, it's the dream about Quinn that she has. It's a, it's a dream about Quinn. And then there's another dream that she has. Maybe it's when they were in the mine. Um, it might be when they, the second time when they went to the mine um, after they had been exposed at the safe house and all of that. Um, she has another dream. And it's just really, really quick. And I kept trying to rewind it to see what it was about, but I could never get a good visual on that dream. So she's having dreams that the others don't have. So it, it's, it would be interesting to see how that plays out. And you know, she's special. So it's just like, what is it, what is it going to be about her? Well, I think because when, based on like the little clip that they showed, I was looking at that as in, um, kind of a, when um, Quinn gets out, gets out of the uh, iron cast that they put her in. Because when she does the first dream and she's talking about how she's drowning over and over and over again, and she has that second like small dream, I was just like, so was at the end of the movie, I was just like, so was that the moment that Quinn actually gets out? Got out of the cast of, of the iron cast? and actually comes to the surface is when she has that second dream and that's that's what it shows her but because it was so quick she doesn't even understand what it is even though she knew the story of quinn because they couldn't find her for all of the, for 500 years that maybe she just didn't think anything of it she didn't really know what it was she was seeing maybe i think it's something more because also there's some connection between her and quinn because she's having the, the dream, when she tells them about the dream in the safe house, that's the first time she actually says, she says, I've been dreaming of her since I woke up. Like that wasn't her first dream. That's just the first time she told them about it. So it's just like, okay. Um, and I think that kind of piqued Andy's interest. Um, the character once again played by Charlize Theron. Um, that, that's when she really seemed to start paying attention and um, to Nile. And kind of, I think that's when she really starts to accept that, hey, maybe she does belong here. 
because from what I could tell, none, none of the others had dreamt about Quinn. Like they knew about her through Andy, but they had never actually dreamt of her, if that makes sense. No, they all, they, they based on what Booker said, they all dream of all of them that were alive. Like they knew she was still, they knew that she was still alive, but they just, they couldn't find her in all the years that they looked for her. And then Andy kind of just stopped. But because remember they say they dream, they dream of every single one of them. So yeah, when but I took up, it. She saw all of them. That means that Booker saw Quinn, Quinn as well. But um, I think no, I took it to mean that they, they dream of them when they're born. Like they know when they're born. That's how they know. Like they all see each other in their dreams at that point, but they don't have recurring dreams about each other. I see. Like they have. That's the thing. I didn't. I didn't. Ca I didn't catch that recurring dream thing. I I caught it as in. Um, her still, her, her still dreaming of her because she was dying, waking up. She was dying, waking up. And I, I do think it showed the importance of who Quinn was going to be. Cause we all, you, you knew that she was going to show up. Like I, I was just waiting for it. Um, but the only one that could actually dream about Quinn when they woke up was, um, what's his name? Booker. Cause he'd never met Quinn. Yeah, so, I mean, never met her. but that's what I'm saying. It's like they either they learn to just if they did, if it, if they were having recurring dreams of Quinn, it's like they learn to just put them out of their head. And if yeah. you are correct, then that last dream flash of a dream she had is when Quinn got out. It's funny how none of them concentrated on that or noticed that. But I still think she has a special connection to Quinn. So maybe we will get a sequel to figure that out. Um, one other thing that I really liked is how Andy, Charlize Theron, she, her character felt like she had kind of lost her purpose. Um, I guess just after, you know, we all think immortality would be great and we want to live forever, but we don't think about all the things that we leave behind and how jaded we would become, especially living for centuries. And, you know, 2020, it's felt like, 2020 has felt like a century in itself. So I don't know if I could relive this year over and over for the rest of my life. Um, but I, I really liked how, how at the end Copley had shown her and kind of given her a new sense of purpose um, that, hey, you actually have done some good. Because she says at one point, we haven't made a difference. Like, it, the world is getting worse. It's not getting better. But I love how Copley was able to give her a new sense of purpose and show her, hey, yes, you actually have done good. You have made a difference. You may not have always seen it, but it's there. It's because it was, it's so little, like the footprints that she leaves were so, they weren't major. And that's what she was looking for. Like she was looking for a major change in the world. And because she wasn't seeing a major change in the world, she was seeing the negativity that when we watch the news, that's all you see on the news is all of the negativity over and over and over again, that she, she never went back and made, and like, kind of researched on the people that she saved. She just saved them and went about her business. So of course she never knew that the people that you saved actually contributed to the betterment of society. You know, so yeah, definitely that. And I caught the theme of pharma being the big bad, like the guy who, you know, um, who did you say Dudley from Harry Potter? Yes, he the guy the who played the former CEO was Harry Potter Dudley. He was like that fat cousin of Harry Potter who treated him horribly. Yeah. So he's still playing assholes, but um <laughs> Hey, but this, Dudley kind of turns his whole thing around at the end, right before they disappear. 
you know, but yeah, but yeah, he was an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I thought that was interesting to make pharma the big bad. Um, maybe that's just me reading so much into that, but, um, but and and also to, to I think it was more like yeah pharmaceuticals but also um, doctors who think they're gods right yes um, because the woman doctor I never caught her name um, to say that they were going like how um, the CEO as well as the doctor wanted to torture them in order to so called save the world but when he tried to get to that, that demon sperm huh. She's trying to get to that demon sperm. <laughs> but when, but when he says like um, they have a moral obligation to basically give up their lives for science, and I'm just like, with no choice. Like they're still human. That was my whole thing the whole time. They're still human beings, even if they're immortal. They're still human beings. Like going back to when now first awakens, when her immortality first awakens. And it's kind of like when her her friends in the military, when her friends, her sisters in arms, sees the fact that she's completely healed, they completely turn their backs on her. Like she's not the same person. Like that that blew my mind. They packed her bags for her. Yeah. <laughs> and and was the like, military, your bag's ready. Like you can go now. Like thank you. And the military was straight up going to kill her or test the hell out of her. They were going to like, test her to death. They were going to do exactly what ended up happening to Nikki and Joe and Andy and Booker, where you had them being like, "Oh, it's our moral obligation to figure out like how you healed so quickly. So we're just going to test you and torture you to death." over and over and over again trying to figure this out and then we're gonna say but you know it's for science it's for the safety it's for the world like how copley did when because you went through the whole thing with your wife you decided that you should volunteer them to give up their lives so that they can share with the world when it wasn't your right to give up their lives for the world you didn't give them the option of doing that because they're human beings at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> like that was I thrown agree. out the window. <laughs> I agree. And one of the final things that I loved about this movie, going back to Gina Prince Blythewood directing, is the soundtrack. Um, oh, yeah. The soundtrack from the aforementioned Love and Basketball is one of my favorite all-time movie soundtracks. And this soundtrack is amazing too. Um, it's a little bit more house techno, but because of the movie, you get it. But the songs that they featured in the movie, they fit every scene just every like a glove. Every single scene is like perfect. And like every single time something's happening, like the music drops when it needs to, it picks up when it needs to, it's soft, it's fast. It's, like, I'm just like, dang, like whoever her, what would that be? Like, not the music director, but, oh my God, I don't even know what the person is called that does that, but whoever it is, she must've worked with them before because it was just perfect selections on every single scene with every song just fits perfectly. Okay, so um, ultimately, I, I, I hope, I pray that they make this a sequel, um, that they make a sequel. It, 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 there's been talk about it. Um, it definitely deserves a sequel. It was set up for a sequel with the Quinn, with the return of Quinn. 
but I also think it would work great as a series as well. And the only downside about a series is you may not still be able to get the stars. And I'm not talking about a series on um, regular television with 20 episodes. I'm talking about, you know, of course, for Netflix, 10 to 13 episodes. Um, I could see it going either way. But the bottom line is for me, I definitely need more Old Guard in my life. What about you? <laughs> Yes, yes, definitely. And they, they talk about, I mean, 72 million households um, is what Netflix said has um, watched The Old Guard. So it, it was huge, like it was such a success. But Charlize Theron did say that she was like, can she just enjoy the success before people start asking her when the second one is coming out? Is she doing a second one? Are they doing a second one? She's like, she would like to just enjoy the success of The Old Guard, showing people that no matter how old she is, she can still be an action star and kick butt every single time. Okay. Well, Charlize, you're beautiful. Enjoy your success. We want a second one. Yeah. Um, and I, having said that, I give it a score of four popcorns. <laughs> okay, so we have been kind of on the same page because I am also giving the old guard four popcorns. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. There are some things that they can work out. King said they can work out for the second one, but overall, four out of five popcorns, definitely, definitely. All right, well, thank you for tuning in. That does it for this episode of the Popcorn Wind Down, and join us next week where we will be discussing The Warrior Nun, also on Netflix. Until next time, this is Eddie. And I'm Tammy. Bye. Take care. <laughs>